Welcome to the Exam Study Expert Podcast, helping you ace your exams at school and university through the psychology of high performance and the science of studying smarter, not harder. It's my pleasure to introduce your host, the Cambridge-trained memory psychologist and exam success coach, William Wadsworth. Hello and welcome back to the Exam Study Expert podcast. I sometimes talk about remembering something from your memory as being a bit like jumping across a river. We stand on the bank of not remembering and we need to leap across the recall river to the opposite bank of full recall. Sometimes that river is just really, really wide. In other words, no matter how much you practice, the information is just so dense or complex or unrelated to anything else you know that it seems near impossible that you'll ever be able to remember it. In other words, that you'll ever be able to jump across that river and land on that opposite bank and try and remember something. Today's episode brings you the solution to those toughest of memory challenges that we encounter as students. By the end of the episode, you'll know what chunking is and have a toolkit of handy mnemonic tricks based on the chunking principle that you can deploy to get you across even the widest and deepest of recall rivers and to help you learn those hardest to remember bits of your course, those sort of seemingly random names and dates and tables of data and numbers, uh, long quotes in English and esoteric words like hard foreign language vocab or technical terminology in sciences, economics, business, and so much more. This episode forms the sixth part in an eight-part audio course on how to study effectively. And as you'll know, if you've caught parts two, three, four, and five in this series, I've been strongly advising going back and listening to part one uh, before listening to any of the other uh, episodes in this series, because that part one, uh, Six Pillars of Student Success, introduces so many of the principles that you need to understand uh, for the rest of this course to make sense. Now, one of the most important principles introduced back in that first episode in this series, episode 66, um, was the principle of retrieval practice. Uh, we've talked about this concept a lot on the podcast over the years, and with good reason. If you want to learn faster and remember more, uh, it's by far the most important thing I'd love you to know about how learning and memory works, closely followed by uh, the concept of spacing out your retrieval. So the uh, second most thing, the second thing I'd love you to know would be uh, the principle of spaced learning. So retrieval practice, uh, testing yourself uh, on what you know, attempting to remember, trying to reach back into your long-term memory, pull out a specific bit of knowledge, uh, and then spaced learning, doing that repeatedly on different days. And that combination, spaced retrieval practice, is simply the best way uh, you can approach your learning if you want to learn your stuff in the most efficient way. Uh, and with the least investment of overall study time uh, and have the most reliable and flexible memory come exam day. In other words, getting the best grades in the most efficient way. To tie all that back to our river analogy from the top of this episode uh, a moment ago, retrieval practice is a bit like practicing leaping across that river from the don't know bank on one side of the river to the fully remembered it bank on the other side of the river. 
that gives us yet another way to think about the value of retrieval practice, this analogy of, of the river. Um, if you are training to literally jump across rivers in real life, then actually practicing the act of jumping across rivers might be a useful way to train. Over time, your leg muscles will get stronger, your coordination will improve as you time your jump and so forth. So it gets easier and easier each time you physically practice making that leap across the river. Sometimes you might fall in the river. In other words, uh, you might fail to remember something when you test yourself on it. You do some retrieval practice, but you can't remember what it was you're trying to remember. And a lot of the time, that's absolutely fine. That's okay. That is part of the training process. We learn from our mistakes. Next time, we'll do better. That's absolutely part of the retrieval practice process. But there comes a point when the bit of the river we're trying to leap across gets so wide that no matter how many times we practice that leap, we practice jumping across, we practice trying to remember whatever this complex bit of information or data is. We leap across the river over and over again, and every single time we land in the river. Uh, in other words, we never make it across the river and we never remember what it is we're trying to to, to remember. This is often the case when like, there's a kind of a large amount of knowledge to remember all in one go, like a long quotation, really complex equation, uh, where the knowledge is very hard to relate to other things you know, like a, an, an alien term in a foreign language or a bit of technical terminology in science or medicine that just doesn't sound like any word you already know, or just a long string of numbers. You know, this kind of abstract knowledge, difficult to ascribe any meaning to, difficult to link to your existing understanding of, of really kind of anything else. The solution is to place stepping stones in the river. In other words, rather than leaping across the river all in one go, we leap across halfway or part of the way to a stepping stone, and then we can jump across the rest of the river from there. In other words, we give our brains an interim clue to remembering the full information. So you no longer have to remember it all in one go. First, you remember the clue, and then you remember the full information. This is effectively how mnemonic techniques work, giving yourself, giving yourself a stepping stone in the middle of the river so you can uh, give yourself some clues to remembering the full data. Now, mnemonic techniques are funny. Like You can read lots about different mnemonic techniques on the internet. The problem I have with a lot of what's written about mnemonic techniques from the perspective of students trying to learn academic information is that most of the thinking you'll read is dominated by the world of um, memory athletics or comes coming out of memory athletes. People who attempt these incredible memory feats like memorising an entire deck of cards in 17.9 seconds or memorising 3,238 random number digits in a single hour. Like These incredible memory feats and really intriguing and clearly very powerful memory techniques that have been honed to achieve these, these feats of memory. The problem with this te these techniques from a student's perspective is that they're often quite hard to apply to a kind of academic information for a couple of reasons. The first reason is because the techniques were developed for such specific applications. How often do you have to remember a pack of cards in your exam or a long string of hundreds or thousands of numbers? As students, the type and nature of data we have to learn varies far more often than in a memory championship. The, the kind of nature of the data is much more diverse. There's much more uh, different sorts of information we need to learn for, for exams. In a memory championship, it, the, the kind of data you're committing to memory is very, very specific. It's just numbers or it's just decks of cards. And the other problem I've got with with kind of the the, the memory athletics uh, school of thoughts on on, on uh, mnemonic techniques uh, from a student's perspective is because 
the techniques that memory champions use are often quite challenging to master in their own right. You know, we call these people memory athletes for a reason. They train hard to compete in these kinds of champions, championships. Um, so typically they will learn, uh, develop and learn specific codes to represent, say, numbers of digits number digits or or cards in a deck of cards. Learning and practising these codes takes time, and a given code will only be useful for the specific type of information it was designed for. Even the most flexible codes that memory athletes use uh, tend to be those designed to remember numbers. Even those are only going to work for remembering numbers and nothing else. Like how much of the information you need to remember for your exams is numbers, digits. Chances are it's quite a small percentage. Now, of course, if you do have endless long numbers to remember in your course, and remembering numbers is really important, it might be helpful to consider learning one of these codes, for example, the major system. But for everyone else, it's going to be a really big investment of your time to master a code, master a mnemonic technique that's only useful to you for a very small proportion of what the total sum of what you need to know for your exams. In other words, it's not really a good investment of your time uh, to learn the code uh, to apply to only such a small amount of the knowledge you need for your course. So, as students looking for those kind of mnemonic stepping stones to put in the middle of the Recall River, we need techniques that are, above all, easy to learn and flexible. And apply them to lots of different kinds of information. Most of the techniques you'll know by the end of this episode can be understood through the lens of something called chunking. Now, once you understand this important and potent principle, it's much easier to apply it in practice through various mnemonic techniques. So, the rest of this episode is going to break down as follows. First, I'm going to take a moment to explain what chunking is. Then at the end, I'll run you through a couple of examples of how you can put it into practice in a way that's both easy to get started with and flexible when it comes to learning academic information. Okay, so chunking. What is chunking and how does it work to effectively increase the capacity of your memory? Well, the APA Dictionary of Psychology defines chunking as the process by which the mind divides large pieces of information into smaller units, chunks, that are easier to retain in short-term memory. One item in memory can stand for multiple other items. Each individual chunk in that definition is a sort of group of inf- units of information. A unit of information might be a word or a number or a phrase even. Uh, and within the, the units are sort of strongly related to each other, but fairly unrelated to information in other unit, groups of units. The word chunking then describes this process of grouping together related bits of information, effectively reducing the number of different units you need to remember. Grouping, summarising, meaning your brain has fewer little chunks of data to remember as a result. I'll give you an example of this in a minute, Um, but just quickly, if you're technologically minded, you can think of chunking as being a little bit like a compression algorithm in your computer or smartphone that allows large image or video files to take up less space in memory. Now, an example to illustrate this. Um, I'm about to read you a string of letters, and I'm going to invite you to play along, do a little exercise, try and remember them. I would just note before I do this that if you're listening and wanting to play along with this exercise, I would just say that if you're currently driving a vehicle of any kind or operating machinery or doing anything uh, where distracting your attention may lead to a uh, an accident of any kind, I would suggest either 
pausing this episode or pausing your task um, to avoid kind of taking any risks because this exercise is going to is deliberately designed to kind of soak up a lot of your mental bandwidth and thereby might distract you from what you're doing. So with that little uh, warning aside, here is a little letter string coming up for you now. Uh, your job, if you'd like to play along, is to try and remember it as best you can in your head. So here's the letter string. Try and remember it. Here we go. C F K N E H Z Y X M B I C B A T A C. Can you recite it back from the start? N- n- not easy. You might have remembered the first few letters. You might remember a few from the middle. I'd be very surprised and impressed if you managed to remember the whole thing. This is classic wide recall river territory. A, a dense amount of pretty abstract data. So it's very hard to get your memory to uh, take it all on board. Very hard to be able to leap across that whole back river all in one go and go from not remembering it to full remembering it. No matter how many times you do the retrieval practice and practice leaping across that river. So let's try a slightly different tactic. Let's try a little bit of chunking to summarise the data uh, if we can. So I'm now going to read you the exact same letters again. So the exact same string of letters you heard a moment ago, just in a different order. C A T A B C I B M X Y Z H E N K F C. Now, chances are that's a lot easier if you're going to try and repeat any of that back. But we're on a roll. Let's not stop there. Let's sort those three letter strings into themes. So here are exactly those same letters that we heard the first time, but just summarised uh, as, as much as I can. So summarised down into just three groups. Animals, cat, hen. Companies, IBM, KFC. Alphabet, ABC, XYZ. XYZ, XYZ, I say Z, I say Z I'm British. You, some of you probably say Z. Um, now, Point is, that is starting to be much easier to remember. So let's pause and break down what we've just done here. We started with 18 separate chunks, separate units of information. Those 18 separate letters in that original string, C, F, K, N, E, H, Z, blah, 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 which was very hard to memorise. Then we started to look for patterns uh, and we grouped it up into six acronyms. C-A-T, A-B-C, I-B-M, XYZ, HEN, KFC. Effectively, now we only had six separate bits of information to learn. But then we went a step further and got those six units of information down to just three units of information, those three categories, animals, companies, alphabet. We've effectively placed two levels of stepping stones in the river. We no longer have to jump across it all in one bound. We can jump across it in steps, stages. That first step is to remember those three categories, animals, companies, alphabet. Just three things to remember easy. Then we jump to the next stepping stone and within each of those categories we remember the two acronyms or two three-letter words that fall within each category. The animals, cat and hen. The companies, KFC and IBM. The alphabet ones, ABC, XYZ. From there our memory can 
go and relax because the recall work is pretty well entirely done. All our brain needs to do to finish with is the fine, fairly trivial task of pulling out those individual letters out of the acronyms, and the three-letter words. So CAT gives us C-A-T and so on. And so we've got all 18 of those letters uh, those information units successfully remembered and we make it onto those lush green pastures of the fully remembered bank of the far side of the river uh, where the birds are singing and the examiners give really high grades <laughs> um, but as usual I, I don't take my word for the principle of chunking and, and how useful it can be uh, researchers have demonstrated in scientific studies how chunking helps facilitate faster learning and easier memorization in a really wide range of situations from learning locations or positions uh, to reading and learning music, to learning words and letters, uh, to memorising strings of numbers. And in an especially dramatic example of memorising strings of numbers, a subject of average intelligence used a chunking strategy to remember strings of up to 80 digits. That's pretty impressive. There's even good evidence that our sensory systems automatically chunk incoming sounds and sights to help you process the world faster and more easily without giving it a second thought. Chess players, seems to, chess players seem to chunk the positions of pieces on the board into common patterns, allowing them to process what's happening on the board more easily than if they had to process the position of each piece individually. You've probably been using chunking for years without realising it if you didn't know what it was perhaps in order to remember your phone number, for example. Many of us learn phone numbers in very specific groups. You might have learned your phone number as something like 09982-330-508, grouping those 11 digits into a group of five and then two groups of three digits, thereby making it kind of easier to, to remember. But if I read back that same number with different kind of grouping, 09982-330-508, you have real problems recognising whether it's the same number or not. Like if you've ever had the experience of someone reading back your number to your own phone number to you, but with different groupings, you know what I mean. Like that feeling of, dude, is that my number? I have no idea. <laughs> you said it wrong. I can't recognise it. Um, so this is all very well. Like chunking, potentially really powerful then as a sort of compression algorithm, if you like, for getting data into memory and giving yourself those stepping stones in the river. But how can we start to use chunking strategies as students in our learning? Now, there's lots of different examples and working on different mnemonic strategies is something that I often support my exam success coaching clients in. And so if you've got particular uh, chal- memory challenges as part of your course, you know, that's something we will often like, you know, send, send me what you're trying to learn and we'll either look at it together in one of our coaching sessions or I'll kind of take it away uh, between sessions and, you know, kind of figure out how I'd go about learning it and, uh, you know, share that in the next session as a sort of example of, of kind of how to tackle this. And, and usually my solution involves some combination of, you know, kind of mnemonics, chunking, uh, perhaps a little bit of imagery, um, to visualise sort of imagery, visualisation mnemonic for, for kind of challenging words, um, as well as a couple of the mnemonic strategies I'm about to talk to you about now. So uh, to, to wrap up this episode for today, I just wanted to give you a couple of examples um, of how you can use mnemonic strategies in practice uh, to soak up even the hardest information you need for exams. And again, this isn't sort of trying to capture all the ways you can use chunking and mnemonics, uh, but these are a couple of the ways that I most commonly find are quite helpful uh, for students learning for exams. So the first example for, I've got for you is about chunking numbers. So numbers tend to be both abstract and also easily confused. Therefore, they are hard to remember, especially if the number is long or you've got several numbers, many, many numbers to remember as part of your course. So, you know, percentages or dates in history. Um, anytime I need to remember a number, 
I look for ways to chunk them. Like, never mind studying. This is a pretty handy skill for life. (laughs) I do this with my new phone numbers or new PIN codes for bank card. Um, Let's take an academic example for today, though. So a common type of number that you need to remember in academia are dates. Um, Historians need to know dates. Uh, In fact, so do psychologists. Uh, If you're taking a course like I did once upon a time, Um, the experimental psychology course at Cambridge, uh, where I was not so long ago, uh, I remember spending a pretty long time revising for my finals, just learning the final exams, just just learning the dates of such and such a study on such and such a psychological phenomenon. Uh, Bringing out the names and dates of important studies was a good way to impress examiners. Uh, And to this day, I can still remember the names of some of my favourite studies about the science of learning, because I just talk about them all the time in the, in the work I do. You know, Rodering and Karpicki, 2006, Rohr and Taylor, 2007, and Loskiatl, 2013. But learning dates is kind of hard for those reasons we said earlier. Like They're abstract and they are easily confused. So how can we use chunking to come up with a kind of mnemonic strategy to make these a little easier to remember? Let's take, as an example, a string of three dates, uh, 1776, 1781 and 1788. Maybe they had some kind of historical significance. I've kind of picked them at random. These three dates represent 12 digits, 12 information units. Uh, Each each of those three years has four digits within them. So 12 little bits of data, 12 uh, data units in total. Now, 12 units is kind of a hard number of units to remember. That's, that's, That's challenging to remember that many digits. So can we turn to chunking to make things any easier for ourselves? Turn on your brain's sort of pattern recognition engine, and you might notice that there are some uh, sort of arithmetic trends in the data in those three dates. It's a little bit hard to spot in audio formats, but if you're seeing them written down, it's it's a little more obvious. The first and the fir- the second date is five years after the first date, and the third date is seven years after the second. So, if we know that, we can now think about the three years as just being six bits of information. The four bits of information in the first year, one, seven, seven, six, first four units of information, and then five and seven. So if we're trying to remember all three years, we just have to remember those first four digits uh, that comprise the first date, 1776, and then the number five, and then the number seven. We add five to the first year to get the second date, and then we add another seven to the second date to get the third date. If you didn't follow this, don't worry. <laughs> this example is quite hard to absorb through listening. Much easier if you can see it written down, and I'll link you up in the show notes to, to where you can do that. And I would also add that this kind of pattern spotting comes with practice. The more you train your brain to look for these kinds of patterns in numbers, uh, the easier it will come to you. And just before I leave numbers alone, I just want to say that pattern spotting isn't just about arithmetical patterns. Sometimes you can use numbers that have particular meaning to give you that vital stepping stone in the recall river. I once had a postcode, which you may know as a zip code if you're on the other side of the Atlantic, uh, which had a 9 and a 13 in it. Uh, I used to think about an unlucky cat, so the famous unlucky number 13 after the number at Christ Last Supper, and the nine lies of a cat. Made remembering the full uh, uh, zip code or postcode far easier uh, once I'd kind of latched onto those, those, that specific uh, uh, sort of visual uh, mnemonic of the, the unlucky cat. So we talked about numbers. Uh, my other example of applying chunking is when using lists uh, via the acronym mnemonic. 
So acronyms are possibly the, the sort of mnemonic strategy I come back to most often, simply because it's so flexible and easy to use. You probably know what an acronym is. You simply take the first letters of a set of words you want to know and make a second word out of those letters. So if you've ever had to learn the Great Lakes of North America, you may have taken the first letters of each lake. H for Huron, O for Ontario, M for Michigan, E for Erie, S for Superior, and spelt out the word homes. This is a form of chunking, because you've simplified five separate items down to just one. Five units of information, one for each of those lakes, down to just one unit of information, the word homes. That word homes then acts as a stepping stone from which you can leap across the rest of your Recall River as you remember what each letter in turn stands for. Another example, which uh, is more related to sort of academia, um, any business or economic students may have had to learn the components of an income statement, which in order goes something like revenue, gross profit, operating profit, net profit. Um, taking the first letters of those words, R-G-O-N, doesn't quite give me a real word, but it is at least pronounceable. Argon. R-G-O-N. Argon. And spotting that is, for me, a lot easier to remember that one even non-pronounceable word, even, uh, sorry, pronounceable but not real word, um, uh, is easier to remember than uh, having to remember individually those those four separate uh, concepts. Again, form of chunking. We've gone from four separate things to just one thing, acting as a stepping stone in the middle of the river. So lists of concepts, steps in processes, sets of names or drugs or terms, lists of symptoms, lists in various forms come up all the time in academia. And doing, taking this approach of finding the key word for each item in the list and then making an acronym out of those key words, even if it's not a real word, it can be a really powerful way to help you remember the whole list, giving your brain a nice stepping stone in the river on the way to full remembering. So you now know all about chunking, and uh, you know how to apply it in a wide range of mnemonic strategies, including uh, chunking numbers using arithmetic patterns uh, and chunking lists using the acronym mnemonic. Now, remember, you still need to practice the act of leaping across the river, even using your stepping stone. Having a stepping stone, having a mnemonic, is not a substitute for spaced retrieval practice. It simply makes doing that spaced retrieval practice much more feasible, giving you at least a fighting chance of getting across that river via your newly paced stepping stones. So you still need to do the retrieval practice, still need to test yourself and practice remembering uh, using all the other strategies we've been talking about in the first uh, in the first uh, instalments of this series. Um, but uh, the mnemonic will kind of make it a little easier, uh, particularly if the information is is sort of very dense or complex, as in the examples we've been talking about today. Now, it's not necessary to come up with mnemonics for absolutely everything you need to remember. They typically take uh, a few moments to devise for each new situation. So what I tend to recommend is that if you're coming across something that's particularly difficult to remember, perhaps you've been trying to test yourself on it, do that retrieval practice, and it just hasn't been sticking. I see that as a signal, okay, this is a flag, I need to go away and spend a few moments coming up with my stepping stones, my mnemonic strategy. So pause the retrieval practice and ask yourself, okay, how am I going to remember this? And remember, the more you play with the kinds of strategies we talked about today, the quicker you'll get at coming up with good ways to remember whatever it is you need to know. So have fun with your mnemonics and good luck with them. 
And that brings us to the end of today's episode. Uh, I do hope you'll be able to join me again in a couple of weeks' time for the seventh and penultimate instalment of this little audio course on how to study effectively, when we'll be moving on from pure sort of knowledge memorization work uh, and looking at a really neat strategy you can use to practice maths-style questions for maths, physics, engineering, sciences, and more. It's called interleaving. And even if you're not studying anything sort of remotely quantitative involving math style problems, as we'll discover uh, in a couple of weeks' time, interleaving is useful for practising skills as diverse as recognising artists from their different paintings, uh, practising grammar exercises in languages, even practising physical skills in sports and even music. Before that, coming up next week, I'm very excited to bring you a check-in with Rose from episode 69, uh, which catches up with her about a year after we first spoke to see the long-term impact of all the study strategies she started putting into action. It's a quite remarkable and inspirational story, so I really look forward to sharing it with you next time. In the meantime, study smart, have fun, uh, and wishing you every success. Thanks for listening. If you've got exams coming up, you can now get all of William's favourite tips and tricks to save you time and get you higher grades all in one handy cheat sheet. Grab your copy at examstudyexpert.com slash free tips. Thanks again for listening and see you soon.